Let's stand back up. Let's pray just a second. How's everybody feeling? I'm feeling good. <laughs> so, Father, we just uh, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the presence of your spirit, your light, your life, your love for us. And just ask you to speak through me um, words of truth and power in Jesus' name. Amen. And be seated. So, um, doing this series on spiritual basics, enough deconstruction for one lifetime, right? And um, anyway, created quite a stir here in Pueblo, I guess. I keep hearing about pastors calling other pastors. So, I don't know. Talk about me, I guess. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, just, but yeah, I've arrived. That's that's great. Yeah, some people aren't sure where or how. What? I've awakened for sure, um, and it's been messy, but it's it's all good. Uh, so let's start in John, John's Gospel, chapter 1. We'll look at a few scriptures. So we're doing spiritual basics. So the idea was, okay, we've deconstructed a lot. We've taken away your Lord, your rapture, your hell, your devil, your Bible. What's left, right? Um, so kind of the goal of the series is to try to reconstruct and say, okay, what do we know? And what can we really um, anchor ourselves into and sink our teeth into that will help us and benefit us on every level, right? Uh, so in John chapter 1, it says, and of course we've gone over and over this, but again, I just want to keep reiterating this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things, watch this, all things were made through Him, that is through the Word, or Logos in the Greek, we'll come back to that, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or better translation says, did not overcome it. And then in verse 9 it says, uh, that was the true light which gives light to every person coming into the world. That true light which gives light to every person who's born in the world. And this is like the biggest contention. It's so amazing because it's right here in the same book. We read the same book. (laughs) And this is the biggest contention, the biggest problem when I talk about, you know, other pastors or churches or believers or whatever, talking to a couple people in the break, this is the biggest difference, like the dividing line between where I'm at and my understanding of things and a lot of other people and their understanding of things is it says very clearly right here in the Gospel of John that the Logos, the light that created all things, that in that radiating from that is light and life and that he is the true light that gives light to every single person. That means everybody. Right? I mean, it's pretty clear, right? So then the issue becomes, do we look for the light inside of people, or are they born completely morally corrupt and rotten to the core, dirty rotten sinners, headed straight to hell? See, that's the difference. (laughs) So I'm saying everyone is received and is born with light inside them, and they're saying everybody is born rotten to the core and in need of salvation. And so what I'm saying is, is that the church offers salvation for the disease that they gave you. (laughs) 
or the cure for the disease that they gave you. They have to convince you that you're effed up so that you can be fixed. Right? Whereas what I'm saying is we need to discover what's right with us. And anyway, that's the biggest difference. But it's right here in the book. It's not like I'm just, you know, making this up for fun. Because it's been so much fun <laughs> going through this process, right? So what is the Logos? In the beginning, our, our, our Bibles say, our translations say, in the beginning was the word. The Greek word there is Logos. And Logos was a very specific idea in the mind of Greek philosophers and at the time that John was writing. And basically, you could, uh, if you wanted to put it in modern terminology that best communicates the meaning of the word Logos, it would not be word. It would be the divine mind or the divine intelligence. In the beginning was the divine intelligence. So here's what I want you to see. Or you could say it this way. In the beginning was consciousness. And this consciousness is what we call God. That's what John is saying 2,000 years ago. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. But watch this. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So look at the three foundations of everything that John is saying. He's saying the three foundations of everything in creation is divine intelligence, life, and light, or energy. Consciousness, light, And life is the foundation of everything. Now, what's interesting is that science actually validates this because nothing would be able to exist without electromagnetism. And electromagnetism is light and energy. In fact, it can be defined as the light and energy that holds atoms, matter, and the world as we know it together. It transfers or emits a field of energy of visible waves and invisible waves. So in other words, there's an entire spectrum of electromagnetic energy. At one end, you have radio waves. At the other end, you have gamma waves. So you have radio waves, microwaves, then you have a spectrum that ends at gamma. You have x-rays, all that kind of stuff, right? All of that is light. We can see, scientists tell us, we can see less than 1% of what's in that spectrum. So I want you to realize that there's there's light energy (laughs) that is just as real as what you can see, the only problem you have is you can't see it. You, 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 your body, your physical body, your eyes, your brain cannot process. It can only process less than 1% of the elect, electromagnetic field or light field or light energy that is around you. And it's that light energy that gives life and is holding all things together. Pretty simple, right? Now, here's the other interesting thing. You have an electromagnetic field. Uh, there is an electromagnetic field around the human body that can be measured. There was a scientist named Fritz Albert 
Pop, who studied biophotons and the light that is emitted by living things. I never even heard of bio, I'm, pre, I'm fairly well educated. I mean, I'm not, you know, a biologist by any means, but I never heard of biophotons. The old model was that your cells communicated through chemistry, through, through material interaction, that that's how they communicated and divided and were held together and whatever. But this guy, after 30 years of research, what he did was he developed a device that was able to capture and measure light energy that was being emitted by DNA. And one of the experiments that he did was he took a healthy leaf and an unhealthy leaf of the same plant, same type of plant, and sure enough, the healthy plant, guess what it was doing? It was emitting more light from the DNA. The unhealthy plant had a much uh, denser and less light that was emitted. Interesting, huh? So now what they're telling us, what the latest science is telling us, is that cells communicate by light, not by chemistry. By little charges of light that then interacts with the electromagnetic field around you and interacts with everything at the quantum level. Are you doing okay? Now here's the other thing that they, so they can do this with a human being as well, right? They can do this with a human being. And so what they've discovered is that the more you live, let's say, in a place of survival mode, this is really important, the more you live at the place of effect or survival, the more you're living at a place of uh, lower, what we might call lower emotional, mental and emotional states, Anxiety, fear, depression, anger, those kinds of things. Surviving. The more you live at survival mode, the less light you give off. The more you live in what we might call higher states, higher vibrational or higher frequency states of compassion, grace, love, kindness, joy, enjoying life, the more light you actually emit. So here's literally what happens. (laughs) When you're living at survival mode, you're actually pulling, you're needing... All right, so everything needs this light energy to survive. It's why ancient people worshipped the sun. Because they understood that without solar light, without electromagnetic energy, even if that's not what they called it, no life could survive. You, You literally, your food... When you eat, what you're literally doing is taking the solar energy from the food and translating it into your body and various different chemical nutrients. But make make no mistake about it, light is involved with everything that you're doing. Right? Right. So here's what they discovered. When you're in survival mode, you need energy (laughs) to make yourself feel bad. (laughs) And here's what I mean by this. You, you, in order to feel stress, in order to feel anxious, in order to feel anger, there has to be chemical stuff that's going on in your body, that your body has to produce. And so what they discovered was that when you're in that state, you're literally pulling from the ener- electromagnetic field that is around you energy 
sucking it in and then translating or trans, transmuting that energy into more material substance, all of the chemical cocktail that you're giving yourself when you get stressed. Does that make sense? So you literally become a more, on subtle levels, very, very subtle microscopic levels, you become a, either a more materialized being living in the world of matter or a more energetic being living in the world of light. Because when you're in those higher states, you're actually emitting something. Now watch, this is very important. When I'm in the survival state, I'm drawing energy from the quantum field and the electromagnetic field around me. I'm pulling it to myself and I'm converting it into something that makes me feel heavier. When I am in a different state of consciousness, when I'm in a state of compassion, when I'm in a state of gratefulness, when I'm in a state of just, you know, feeling good, happiness, joy, peace, all that stuff, right? When I'm in that state, I'm not pulling. I'm actually releasing the light energy that is in me and I am contributing to the electromagnetic field that is around me and literally becoming less material and more energetic. Very subtle, but perceptible. Because listen, people say, I, I said this in the first service, but if people say, I'm depressed. What, is, what does the word depressed mean? It's, it's the idea of being pressed down, right? And so most people, when they're depressed, one of the things they experience is no energy. They feel heavy. They feel sluggish. They feel like they're swimming through peanut butter, trying to get through the day. And we, we say things like, my heart is heavy. I'm down. Right? right? But when we're feeling better, what do we say? We, I, I'm on cloud nine. I'm, I'm floating in the air. I, and so when you're feeling better, you feel light, you feel free, right? It's, so you're able to perceive, even though when they try to measure it with scientific instruments... It's at very small, very subtle levels, levels that cannot be seen or detected with the naked eye, yet you can detect it by the way you feel, and it's revealed by the way we speak. But here's the thing I want you to see. (laughs) You are, let's see, let's see if I want to get to that point yet. Yeah, so you are a being of light, first of all. You come from the light. That's what John's saying. Right? You come from the light. Everybody comes from the light. Everybody has light. People are radiating it or releasing it or letting their light shine at varying different degrees. Listen, when Jesus said, let your light shine, he wasn't talking about make sure you believe the right stuff and tell everybody about it and annoy the crap out of them. <laughs> Telling them how wrong they are. That, that is not what he meant by let your light shine. That's, that's what we taught people in evangelism classes or whatever. But that's not what he meant. He was speaking quite literally. Because you come from the light. Second thing I want you to see is that you, you, you as a human being right now in your body is an interaction of that which is the densest form of energy, which is matter, which we know, right? That which is material or physical, and that which is 
energetic or light or life or spiritual. And you are, as a human being, at the crossroads of that place. You are the in-between, if you will. So you can make the choice to be more (laughs) material-oriented or more light-giving. You're doing all right. Second thing is, you're only aware, you can only see and perceive 1% or less than 1% of what can actually be seen. Are you doing all right? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) So there is seen dimensions to reality and there is unseen dimensions to reality. Right? Right. Because you are both a material being and a being of light, you actually can traverse both worlds or both realms if you learn how. (laughs) The biblical language for this is spirit and flesh. We'll see it in just a minute. Or... The unseen is referred to as the heavens, and the seen, all of the seen world is referred to as the earth. Now let me qualify this for a minute, because our biggest problem with reading any ancient text, including the Bible, is we project our modern worldview upon the text, and then we draw out from the text, not what was actually written or intended by the author, but we draw out of the text our own belief, because we don't realize that we are coming to the text with our presuppositions, projecting those presuppositions on the text, and then not drawing back from the text what's in the text, but drawing back from the text our own presuppositions. Which is why you can have churches all over the planet that say, we believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We, we stand on the Word of God or whatever the case may be, and they don't agree on anything. I mean, they don't agree on anything. You, you have, you, you realize, okay, let's just take the Pentecostal movement. Let's take Pentecostals. Okay, maybe they agree on speaking in tongues, right? They agree on speaking in tongues and the, and the, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but they split over the whole issue of the Trinity. You, you have Trinitarian Pentecostals and you have Oneness Pentecostals. You have Trinitarians that believe in the Nicene stuff of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and turn your brain into a pretzel trying to figure all that out and who cares anyway and what difference does it make to you in your life? None. It's just a sophisticated way to stomp out the Gnostics. But anyway, that's a different, that's a different message for a different time. I I can hear my theological friends on the internet arguing with me. It wasn't the Gnostics. (laughs) It was the Aryans. (sighs) At any rate, nobody in here cares about that. (laughs) Nobody cares, all right? Nobody cared then. Nobody cares now. Um, so the tr- Trinitarian model, and then you have that saying, no, 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 Jesus is all of it. You know, he's he, he just Jesus only. They were called. They both used the Bible. They both spoke in tongues. They both had the same Holy Spirit. Completely disagree with each other. How does that happen? Because we take our presuppositions and we place them on the text. Got it? 
Now, where was I going with all that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> what was I talking about? Light. <laughs> yes, transcending from one realm to the other. Thank you. So the earth, this, this physical, thank you, that, that put me right back where I was. This physical dimension called the earth, you cannot take your modern astronomy and overlay it on the Bible and think that's how the ancient people thought. Because it isn't. They thought that the stars, the sun, the constellations, the moon, all of that was considered the canopy over the earth. And then, you know what was over that canopy? A huge canopy of water. That's how the rain came. It had to penetrate through the starry sky. My whole point is, is that when the Bible talks about the earth, it's talking about everything in physical creation that you have access to, not just this planet. Got it? So it's talking about matter. That's my point. When it's talking about the heavens, it's talking about that which is invisible or can only be perceived by what the Bible calls spirit. So that then brings me to try to describe, as best as I understand it, from the scriptures, from science, from experience, what kind of a being we are as a human being. So when the Bible talks about spirit, it talks about that which is immaterial. So when it says that you are a spirit or that you have a spirit, it is recognizing the part of you that Christ is giving light to. Everybody has a light-giving spirit inside of them. There's a huge difference between looking at somebody as a pile of crap that has to be covered over. That's what, that, that's what the Lutherans said. In the, in the Reformation, everybody's a pile of crap, and Jesus comes along like snow, and when he died for you, God got tired of looking at you like a pile of crap, so when you put your faith in Jesus, he dumps Jesus' snow on you. So now when he looks at you, he sees you white as snow. Where do you think the songs and the references came from? He sees you white as snow, but he knows underneath all that you're still a pile of crap. Is it that wonderful? And then let's all sing songs and sing hymns and go out to eat together and love each other. That's where all that stuff comes from when you were the Christians. You know, well, he's got to see me through the blood or under the blood. That's, that's been the biggest thing. Aaron doesn't believe in the blood. Well, Jesus died. I mean, you know, heck. But no, I don't believe you were a pile of crap and had to be covered with Jesus. Snow. So that God could see. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous when you get outside of that. And John is saying that everybody comes from the light. Everybody has light inside of them. So sin then can be that which covers or hides over or prevents us from seeing and experiencing and expressing the light that comes from this divine intelligence, this source, and this creator that we call God. Thank you, one person. That's awesome. But do you, do you get it? And so there were other there were other gospels that did not make it into your Bible. Some of them written by John, and one of them describes an encounter that John claims to have had with Jesus after he was raised from the dead. And he asked Jesus why all of this, and Jesus says, "Because you have forgotten who you are. You have forgotten who you are." 
You have forgotten where you came from. So a person who's not awake is someone who simply has forgotten who they are. A person who has no sense of spirituality, no sense of connectedness to something that's transcendent, to something that's greater, is, 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 is merely someone, it's not someone who is, who is rotten to the core. It's not someone who needs saving in the sense that God's going to send them to a, to a torture chamber of eternal conscious torment if something's not done. It, 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 it's, it's just simply someone who has lost their way because they've only, they only believe that, that what's, what's here and the 1% of what they can see is what exists and they just think that they're a biological process and that at the end of the day when, when, when all is said and done and then you have the funeral for them that they're going to be nothing more than worm food that just returns back to the earth. That's a person that does not know who they are, that has forgotten who they are, that does not know that they come from the source, they come from the divine intelligence and they come from the light. And, 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 and it's so, and so the, the real gospel of Jesus then awakens people to who and what they are and it activates their potential as the image carriers, as the icon carriers of God and who God is. And, and, and so the best of every spiritual tradition gets past form and, 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 and the garb, the garments of, of language and description and myth and are talking about the same thing. Which is another thing that angers my Christian brethren when I say this. But they're all trying to tell you that you came from the light. That you, that you are a spirit being. So if you want to know what your spirit is, the spirit is a part of you that's giving light to the DNA inside of you. The, the Spirit is the part of you that comes from the divine intelligence. It is, it is literally, I believe, it is literally a, a, a spark of the divine. It, it, is, it is this divine intelligence manifesting itself in you. So what happens is, is this light, this spark, this Spirit comes from the Creator, comes from God, invested with a program, invested with a, a divine intelligence, a reason for coming. A reason for being here in this time and place. A reason for being here. Right? Right. And they can even see now, like when, when, uh, at conception, a spark of light that goes in at the conception. A surge of energy. So what happens? The DNA of your parents comes together and that spark of light, which is the spark of the divine that you are in your essence, that you are in your truest, most deepest self, drops into that and then begins to, you, you begin to take on the physical, biological characteristics of your mother and your father. And with some of that comes certain predispositions towards certain attitudes, right. mentalities, Whatever. Then you come out, then you start to be raised. But, but unless you're fortunate enough to have been raised in some type of spiritual tradition, you for the most part are complete, you, you are immersed only into the experience of the physical world, of the 1% that you can see, of what can be touched and what can be heard. So you're, you're limited then to time and space you get it then through your experiences in time and space you become even more limited by the beliefs that you inherit from the people around you and you can't not do it you can't not do it 
And that's why I said we bring our presuppositions. At least realize when you're reading anything, reading the Bible, reading whatever you're reading, but especially when it comes to sacred texts, when you're reading it, you're bringing your presuppositions. And some of what people call inspiration, and some of what people call revelation, and some of what people call the Holy Spirit is nothing more than their confirmation of their own self-serving bias and presupposition that they bring to the text and then read out of the text. And if we could look at some of these things as being more like the Rorschach test. You know what that is? That's you, 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 ancient psychology, right? So, so some of the early psychoanalysts, in order to draw up subconscious content, they would have you look at ink blots. You ever seen that on TV or whatever? They have you look at ink blots, and supposedly in your mind you're thinking that ink blot has a meaning. That ink blot has no meaning. It doesn't matter what it's shaped or looked like does not matter. What it is, is whatever you're saying is coming out of you, not out of the ink blot. So please realize, when you're reading the Bible, myself included, sometimes what we're doing is we're merely extracting what's in us. So if you go to the book and you find an angry, mean God that just wants to judge everybody and send everybody to hell, then guess what? You're seeing a reflection of your own attitudes and your own presuppositions and your own ideas. So the Pharisees could look at the Bible and get one thing, and Jesus could look at the Bible and get something totally different. One person can look at the Bible and it turns them into something that's meaner than a snake, but it doesn't turn them into that. It just brings out what's already there. (laughs) And why does it bring it out? So they can see it. Other people, they turn into wonderful people. Why? Because that was already there. And I got news for you. All of us are a mixture of the two. And sometimes what Scripture and what divinely inspired stuff or any sacred text will do is it will tilt the scale for you one way or the other. So you can either move more towards the light or you can move more towards material. that which is material. And so what do people talk about? If all they're talking about is what's going on in the material world, they're not really escaping the programming. They're just confirming the programming more and more and more because they've forgotten who they are. Are, are you tracking with me? I feel like I'm on a soapbox. <laughs> so... So you, you, you interact with both. Got it? Now, I'm not going to take time to read all the verses. But this is, this is, so this is sort of what Paul's talking about. Let's look at this one, because this is sort of what Paul's talking about in Romans 8. He, he says, there is that, uh, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk, watch this, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For, watch this, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life. What is that? That is the light. That is which, that which comes from the light has the ability to set you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? Here's the law of sin and death as best I understand it. Everything in this time-space world by design is in transition, including you. You did not come here to spend eternity here. You came here as a transitional point for some reason in your own particular aspect of divine evolution. But everything in this world is transitory and is passing away. 
Everything including you. So therefore there are certain laws that we call sin and death that govern that process. Is that okay? Yes. So when you come in biologically and you're locked into the material world, then you are completely subject to the law of sin and death. But there is a higher law, if you will, that originates in the divine intelligence, that is the law of the spirit of life, that has the power then to set you free from the law of sin and death. To those, yeah, to those, (laughs) exactly, to those that walk after, so then he goes on in the chapter, if you read on, he says, those who have their mindset on the flesh, the flesh is this earthly world. So here's the, here's the thing, I I left part of this out, I gotta back up just a little bit. So when this divine spark comes in and biology comes in, the, the second thing that happens is you become a center point of consciousness that you can call your soul. A center point of consciousness. The you that experiences all the experiences that you've had. That you is eternal. How do you know? Because it remains unchanged. This sounds silly, but think about it. It remains unchanged regardless of how many changes you go through. Here's what I mean. Are you the same person you were when you were six? Depends on how you answer it. Well, no. It it depends. It can be yes and no because it depends on your perspective. From the perspective of the center of consciousness, yes, you are the same person you are than you are six. But from the perspective of your behavior, are you the same person? Jimmy, you might be the same person. I don't know. We'll have to ask Melanie about that. Does he ever act like he's six? Yeah. From the perspective of your knowledge, are you the same person? From the perspective of your um, opinions, are you the same person that you were when you were six? All right. Come on, guys. Help me out. When you were 19, are you the same person that you were? Do you you see what I'm saying? I'm not even the same person I was two years ago. From the perspective of my beliefs and stuff like that, even personalities changed. Hopefully for the better. Depends on who you ask. If you ask certain pastors, it's not changed for the better. I'll tell you that right now. So do, do you get it? Right. So, but, but we don't usually identify ourselves with the center point of consciousness. We usually identify ourselves with whatever experience we're having in the moment. Whatever... Hmm. Whatever opinion we have that gets challenged, whatever feeling we're feeling that day, whatever thought we're thinking, we identify with the mind, we identify with the emotions, we identify with all the stuff out here, we identify with our zip code that we live in, the size of our house, the kind of car that we drive, the kind of job that we have, the way our family's turning out, and we take all that stuff and internalize it and make it about us. Oh, if I was a better dad, my kids would be, wouldn't be so wild. Um, if, if I was a better, Whatever. If I was better at managing money, I wouldn't be in this position. If I was, if you just identify with the center of consciousness, it's impossible to feel shame. (laughs) If you just identify with the center of consciousness, it's impossible to feel guilt. And if you could get rid of guilt and shame, how much better would you be emotionally? Because the only way you can feel guilty is if you're identifying with something that happened in the past that's already under the law of sin and death and passed away. Get it? 
Like you go out and commit the most horrendous crime, but once the crime's over, it's done. <laughs> like it's died. Now there, there might be people that want revenge. There might be people that want you to have consequences, but the ultimate truth of the matter is that thing's over. If you were victimized, if you were abused, whatever kind of abuse you suffered, if you're not currently being abused in this moment, it doesn't exist. The only place it exists is in your head. And the only life empowered has is the life empowered that you're using your own God-given energy with to keep it alive and keep feeding that thing. That's not being insensitive. Being insensitive is the kind of counseling that you sit down with a person and allow themselves to continue to be re-victimized after the abuse is over. Oh, you poor dear. Oh, tell me more about that. Oh, that must have been really hard. And some people get addicted to counseling like they get addicted to bad relationships or drugs. They want to just go around keep getting that sympathy and, and keep that thing alive. And if you feed something, with, if, if, if you take your life energy and you invest it into a thought and you invest it into a feeling, pretty soon that thing will become a living entity. Because you're feeding it. And when it becomes a living entity, guess what? Now it can take control over you. And that's what most demons are. Your depression is not the result of some ancient, archaic, fallen angel that fell in love with you, that's dwelling in the depths of the earth. It's something that you fed and created like Frankenstein's monster, pieced together bits and pieces of your life and sewed it together of dead stuff, stuff that happened back there, and then given enough electrical charge from the energy inside of you that it comes to life and then you can't control it. Absolutely true. Absolutely the truth. Alright, not where I meant to go with this message. So, <laughs> so here's the other thing Paul said in Ephesians 2. He said, he said that we have been what? Seated with Christ. Watch this. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. He didn't say we would be. That's why I, I'm just like, do people read their Bibles? I mean, cause with all this stuff that we've invested for 2,000 years about trying to go to heaven, and you read Ephesians 2 and Paul says you're already there? He says, God has raised you up in Christ and God has seated you in heavenly places, right? In Christ Jesus. So, so what, what the early vision of the gospel was doing was it was recognizing that you have a greater self that is part of this divine intelligence, but yet a separate entity. So not the idea of complete oblivion like some Eastern religions teach, where you just return to complete oblivion. It's not that. It's where you hold a individual self inside of a community that is completely connected and united. So not separate, but not evaporated either. Are, are you tracking with me? And then the Holy Spirit is that which creates a link between that self and this body. So now when you're dealing with issues of spirituality, real, true spirituality, anything that has teeth, 
anything that has substance, anything that can actually deliver the goods, is going to bring you to a place where you have a crisis of identity because you have to... You really have to answer the question, who am I really? Am I just the conditioning and the programming that I have received in this material world? Am I just a body? Or am I also a more expansive being of light that inhabits other... I mean, this is wild, but this is actually in the Bible. That inhabits other and occupies other spectrums of reality that I have not yet experienced. And in order to connect with that, my consciousness then must expand. My consciousness must expand. And if my consciousness can expand in terms of my own identity, see, I'm not talking about expansion of consciousness where you learn cool stuff. Cool little facts and ideas and have experiences. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an expansion of who you are in your own divinity Christ-likeness, Christ-consciousness, if you will, connecting by the Holy Spirit with these other realms and other dimensions, and then learning how to bring that light power into the earth in order to give a contribution. Now, here's the difference scientifically that we can see, and I'm almost done, because I know I'm keeping you long. When you're in survival mode, you are being affected by everything around you. And you become an energy sucker. Literally. Can be measured by instruments. You become a black hole. You're consuming. Because you're at effect. You're not the cause. You are being acted upon, therefore you're in survival mode, and therefore you're responding out of survival mode, and you're sucking. You ever been around an energy vampire? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, enough of you in the few waving hands. If you haven't, I can introduce you to a few. Not here, not here, not here. <laughs> just, just saying. Somebody you've been around, some of you, you get around them and they just suck the life out of you? Like it's just draining to even think about them because you've been around them? Those people literally, 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 literally are sucking your life energy because they're not generating enough of their own. They are. Now, there are people in the occult who become trained at this. Now, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who are energy vampires don't know that they're energy vampires. They just know they feel like crap. And they feel better after they've been around you, which is why they want to be around you so much. But there are people that are trained to psychically suck the life out of you. I'm not talking about that. 
But that's, that's, an, that's an exaggerated version of a black hole. Right? Right. On the other side, when you're feeling good, when you're feeling good about yourself, when you're feeling good about life, when you're accessing these higher states, you are, to some degree, emitting off-light. You are contributing to the world around you. The moment you're contributing, then your consciousness either constricts or opens up and releases greater contribution of light into the world. So there's, there, is, there is a, like a binary switch where I move from consuming to radiating. I move from being a black hole, if you will, to being a star. And then the degree to which my consciousness expands into the heavens and into the reality of what some people call the higher self is the degree to which then I can draw that energy, the energy of the divine, the light and life of Christ, down into the world and present it as an offering and as gift. But here's the thing. The moment I do this, the moment I'm over here, I am now contributing. Here's the difference. Because you aren't the only electromagnetic field. You are connected to a wave of quantum potential. And when you are at effect, you are merely being affected by quantum potentials. Because you're sucking when you are radiating light, you are affecting the quantum field. So here's the difference. One of the problems that we have with the law of attraction that people get messed up with is they believe, and, and there's lots of people out there who teach this, and I completely disagree, that you attract every negative situation into your life that you attract. That's not entirely true, because how many things are you afraid of never happen? Oh, come on. How many times did you run the movie through your mind that the kid came home late and, oh, my God, they're, they're, the, the police department's going to come and you've had the funeral and or you, you found a lump somewhere that it shouldn't be and you've already gone through chemotherapy treatment in your brain and what, before you ever even went to the doctor and none of that stuff ever happened. But you gave a ton of energy to it. Way more energy than these positive things that you attracted into your life. If you want to get right down to it. Come on, there is there is an energy and worry that is so powerful that even when we don't want to worry, we're wrestling against it. Right. You are not attracting that stuff. The problem is that you have put yourself at effect. So therefore, whatever sort of random happenings are headed your way, look out. So that's why I tell people that struggle with anxiety, you really aren't that good at predicting the future. Stop believing your own BS about what's going to happen. It's the freight train coming your way that you're not that you're, that you're completely unprepared for. It's going to wipe you out and kick your butt. Isn't that true? It's the thing you didn't see coming that, 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 that takes you out. But that's if you're living at the realm of effect. Do you get it? So don't feel guilty. Don't feel like, oh, I attracted this disease or, oh, I attracted this hardship or, oh, I must have set this up or, oh, you know, I mean, stop with that nonsense. I mean, I know nobody in here does that, but it just, it just kills me because, ugh. But you are sucking whatever's coming your way and pulling it towards yourself. And so it's just random happenings. When you're at the level, though, where you're contributing, now you're at the place of effect. 
Now you're at the place that you can actually work the law of attraction in a way that works for you. Rather than in a way that works against you. (laughs) You see, I mean, that's the way the law is set up. You can't contribute when you're in these lower states. So therefore, you're not sending out these signals that are affecting to the degree that you think you are. But when you're in these higher states where you're feeling good, you're feeling happy, you're feeling grateful, now you're at a position where you are acting upon the environment. Now you're in a position where you can take the divine intelligence and communicate and send out a frequency that then the universe itself is designed by God to match so that you can attract those things into your life. But you're at the position of being a contributor. You're not at the position of... It's the difference between cause and effect. Can you see it? Mm. Yeah, so, so being dominated by your senses and circumstances makes you a consumer. Think about it that way. When you're not dominated and you're able to just live above it and keep and maintain these positive states because you're staying connected to a higher level of reality, then you are a producer. So in various different places of the Bible, James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you, you, you ask, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may consume whatever you receive upon your own lusts. The issue there is you're a consumer. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will bear much fruit and you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. You get it? So I'm frustrated because that's why you can't bring, you can't cause money to come from a sensation of lack because you're down here. The heaviness of lack, oh, I need money, I need money, I need money, I'm all in fear. Guess what? You're not doing anything. You've got to be able to shift into a higher reality, into a different mental and emotional state to where you begin to give off the light and then you can begin to affect. Not at the level of working the problem down here on the material level, but at the level of working the problem at a spiritual, mental, and emotional level that transcends the law of the spirit of life, setting you free from the law of sin and death. Does that make sense to you? Let me give you, see, when you begin to read the Bible, when you understand the people put the Bible together to tell you more about you and the laws of the universe and metaphysics than they did to tell literal stories, your whole life will change. You can still have a relationship with the Bible that is spiritually feeding you and beneficial to you and isn't putting you in bondage if you have eyes to see it the way it was put together. So... (laughs) The father of faith, the father of faith is, come on, how many went to church camp? Yeah, thank you. My son's singing it all the time. You know, father Abraham. The father of faith is Abraham in the Bibles. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, it's Abraham, right? Watch this. Where, okay, so what was Abraham's, what was, first of all, his name wasn't Abraham, it was Abram to start with. What was his issue? He didn't have a son, didn't have an heir, didn't have any 
thing or buddy in his life that came from him that he could give to, that he could contribute. Or you could say this, he couldn't be fruitful. He couldn't multiply, right? So his name Abram means exalted, watch this, the name Abram means exalted father. That's what it means in Hebrew, exalted father, Abram, exalted father, right? It is the creative or generative principle, yes? Yes. That is exalted, right? But he can't produce. Now let me ask this question. Uh, this is a whole teaching in and of itself, but I'll just teach you with it. Anybody know where he came from? Anybody know where he came from in the Bible, where he came from? Ur. Somebody got it. Ur. You know what Ur means? Light. Wow. Light. Now watch this. This is so cool. So if you if you're just hung up on some place over in... Canaan and some guy, you're missing the whole point. What the author is trying to tell you is that the generative principle to be fruitful in the earth begins and is born in the light. But he still can't bring forth any fruit. He still can't, he still doesn't have a son until he sees in a vision in Genesis 15, he sees the Lord appear to him and say, I'm your exceeding great reward. And then he says to him, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? And this other guy born in my house is going to get all my stuff. In other words, I'm at the place of effect. I've nothing I can do and, and I'm just everything I got is going to be taken by something foreign to me, not something that I produced. Right. You getting it? Yes. But he's, he's seeing all this. And what does God do? He takes him out and says what? Look at the stars of the sky. Look, look into the heavens. Look into the unseen. Look into the light. Look in. And he says, so shall your seed be. And what happens? What's God do? God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. All he had to do was add one letter in the Hebrew. You know what that letter was? It was the letter hey. You know what? The picture graph, pictograph, you know what the, when, when a Hebrew person sees the letter hey, you know what they see? A window. What does a window do? It lets in the light. So Abram, the creative principle, comes from, <laughs> comes from the light, but until you become thin enough and light enough and clear enough and pure enough and transparent enough in your sense of identity. See, when he added that, hey, it changed his sense of identity, but it also made him, it also made him, there's so much to that that I could go into. And he also got sight. He was able to see something. He was able to see in a dimension and see something that he couldn't see before. So listen, when Jesus talks about the new birth, go back in John chapter 3 and look at it. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) The word there, born again, as I've told you, means born from above. So being born again has absolutely nothing to do with saying some prayer and dung and poop and snow and 
It has everything to do with an awakened consciousness. It's the same process that Abram went through when he became Abraham. You can read the story of Abram and you can see spiritual awakening and it can take you through the same process. So then in the same way that he was born again and went from being Abram, the exalted father who couldn't produce to Abraham, the exalted father who came from the light, who allowed the light to shine through him. Therefore, he became a contributor and was able to be multiplied and become fruitful in the earth and be a blessing. you can realize that you go through, you and I are invited to go through the same process. Then the Bible, the Word of God, becomes powerful and living and active and it has teeth and it can deliver the goods instead of just some historical story that we may or may not be able to prove. It becomes your experience it becomes a vehicle that transports you into your own awakening. Right. And it becomes your experience instead of just taking somebody else's word for somebody else's word for somebody else's word for somebody else's word for some experience that somebody might have had. And maybe they copied it wrong. I'm just saying. See so, yeah. All right. Close your eyes. Sorry, I kept you. I went a lot longer than I wanted to again. So it's. Not, not new for me. <clears throat> so just open your hearts for a second. Just, just open your hearts. I want you to just think about, let your thoughts be elevated for a minute to the idea of you as being a being of light and being connected to all that is, being connected to the divine intelligence. And there's enough life and power in that light that it can flush out all the negative stuff, all the lower level stuff. You just have to be willing. <laughs> and so just, just maybe open your heart to that light, which is the life of Christ in you. And ask for that light to burn up, flush out, remove, transform, heal, shift places and things inside of you that are preventing you from becoming your highest and best self, that are preventing you from contributing and letting your light shine, that that light is more powerful than anything, any darkness in your life, any darkness inside you or around you, that light is more powerful. And you really do have the power to transform any situation through the power of the light when you realize... I am light, I come from the light, and I am returning to the light. And with that, I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.